I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and then I'm going to go into uh, the book of Numbers. When we talk about the book of Numbers, remember, as believers, uh, we can look back, those of us that are in Christ, we can look back and learn and glean from the Old Covenant and the people of Israel, especially while they were in the wilderness. So the book of Numbers deals with the wilderness in type. They were led out of captivity under Pharaoh, who was a type of Satan, out of Egypt, the type of the world system. That's what makes all the scriptures so incredibly relevant and of great value, of course, because they reveal uh, God to us in Christ, but of great value to us who are in Christ. That's why they're even still there for us. And so when we look at that, we look at the fact that now they're in the world system. They're out of bondage. They've been set free in type, like we, having received Christ. Now we are out, but we're in the world system, but we're on our way to our promised land. That's what we're, we're on our way to that. And that's in type. Now the promises that were all given uh, to Israel were all, because, of, because they came from God, they're all unconditional promises. All those promises are the promises that in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, are all yea and amen because they're unconditional. They were given by complete grace. They were finished by him, by his person and his work, Christ. And so they're all yea and amen. So our land is the land of promise. That's where we live in Christ with all the promises of God fulfilled. Again, that's even why we have, we have in 2 Peter 1.19, a more sure word of prophecy. There's been some weeks back we've been getting into prophecy, even for people that are young in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you why, too, because he's redeeming the time. You need to know the time that we're in. It's very necessary. That's why in 2 Peter 1.19, they're both there. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Of course, that's Christ. But do we know prophecy? Do we know God's timepiece? Do we know where we are? Literally, in our wilderness journey, do we know where we are in God's timepiece? Very necessary to know. That's what also makes the types very, very necessary too. And so the book of Numbers is they're in the world system. They're in the wilderness on their way to their promised land. That's like us. We're on our way. We're in the world in John 17, verse 16, but we're not of it. Nothing about us is of it. You know, all those things details and things in life that really get us all worked up and and it's really not who we are and it's really not about that okay there are issues and things yes but thank God he directs us and guides us all the way through because of his faithfulness and if God is faithful well who is he faithful to well he's faithful first to himself and that makes him very faithful to us So they're in the wilderness and they're on their way to their promised land. There's all kinds of things that we can learn as the church today in this dispensation that we're in, this particular time period of God's plan. Okay, that's where we are. So the book of Numbers has to do in type with the believer in Christ as he's leading them through This world system, remember Jesus said in John 17, verse 14 in his high priestly prayer, that he was not of the world. Not of the world. 
where a lot of our problems and struggles, what do they have to do? We make ourselves of this particular time period, this world system. And we all do. Now, again, the book of Numbers is, is about you and I in Christ as, as he's leading us through to our face-to-face meeting with him in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Our land of promise, heaven, and what would heaven be without Christ? That's where we go to meet him. So, the book of Numbers has this, has this. And what it is, is this. There's conflict. Do we have conflict? And I'm just reading from my little Bible this morning, okay? It's my little, one of my favorite little Bibles. First one I ever had. There's conflict. There's conflict. How do we know that we have conflict right now? Because in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, verses 10 to 18, we know that we are in a spiritual battle, just like Israel was in a physical battle with enemies. So here we are, and there's conflict. How many have conflict? I'm going to tell you, do you have conflict? Yeah, we do. It's part of being in Christ. But whose battle is it? In Exodus 14, 14. And 1 Samuel 17, 47. The battle is the Lord's. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Or really, as it says in the original, in Ephesians 6, 12, against blood and flesh. We don't wrestle against that. There are things we can't even see, but they're just as real. Satan and all of his army. We, <laughs> you get in a battle with them, without Christ, who's winning that one? So in the midst of the conflict that we are in, and we look back in the type in numbers, and we see that they're, pass- they're passing through. There's conflict, right? But by his unbelievable grace, there's progress. <laughs> you know, some of those days we thought the conflict was so bad, it's over. But mystery, and of all mysteries of his grace, his unconditional love, and his faithfulness, I mean, why does God not fail us? Because to do so, he would have to fail himself. <laughs> He's given us his son, Christ. And in John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are what? One. And we are one in him in John 17, 11, 21, and 22. So here is 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. It says this, moreover, moreover, much more, Really, what he's saying is, I really, God really wants us to understand this moreover. Almost moreover than anything right now, because this is where, we're, where he called us, and this is where he's going to give us his counsel, all of us together. Moreover who? Brethren, all those in Christ. I don't want that you should be ignorant. Can, be, can ignorance be dangerous to a believer who's not taught? Yeah, all right, so... I don't want you to be ignorant. Is it wrong to be ignorant? No. Is it dangerous not to be taught? Yes. So what do we have to be first so God can teach us? Ignorant. Do we know anything in ourselves apart from him? In John 15, 1 through 5, and in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 3, we absolutely do not. None of us. So he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. How that all our fathers... Those Old Testament ones were under the cloud and all passed through the Red Sea. There was a cloud that led them. You can see that in Exodus, the 13th chapter. Okay, and the cloud uh, was what they went, went by in the, in the daytime. 
and, it, and that cloud separated them from their enemies. There was a cloud, and that's faith, dependence. That's what that speaks of. They were all under the cloud, right? And all were baptized unto Moses. Now, again, not like we heard bad teaching about this, like you're baptized unto the pastor. Never in all the scriptures is that ever even remotely the case because Moses is the type and the work that God was doing through him as a type of Christ. He himself wasn't the type. None of us are, <laughs> okay? And that's why we teach by the grace of Almighty God like only he can bring it to us that no man is our authority. Christ is our authority. So when baptized unto Moses, that means, what does baptism have to do with for Christians? It means it's we died with him, period. That's baptism has to do with death, by the way, is gone. Then everything about us is life. We're already dead. Read Romans 6, 1 through 11. Seriously, and you and I will get the understanding of this, even in the types See, because if I don't know this, what is this for? What is the Old Testament still for? I mean, is it for us? Well, watch what it says. They were all in the cloud and in the sea as they were passing through. We see that in Exodus, the 13th and 14th chapters. They were let out. What are the types all there? They're loaded with meaning, and we can constantly go back to them and, and be thankful for what we have. And did all eat the same spiritual meat? What was that? Well, that was the manna that was coming down in Exodus, the 16th chapter, right? They were let out. They were let out with a mighty hand. There was a cloud between them, and God never took away the cloud nor the light, the fire by night. You see that in Exodus, the 13th chapter. Go from 18 to 21, right around, and then you'll see that. And by the time you get to the 14th chapter, he's leading them out. He's leading them out. The battle is the Lord's. Stand still. When you don't know what to do, when you don't have wisdom, what should you do? Stand still. Don't get involved mentally and emotionally with thoughts that are not from God. Stand still in Exodus 14, verse 13. And then in that place where you stand still, cease from the activity of the flesh, you will see the deliverance of the Lord. By the way, we already have it, by the way, in Christ. Did you know he's taking care of everything about us? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Because in Exodus 13, uh, 14, 13 and 14, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And the only way that we can battle apart from him is in the flesh. And what does that lead to? What does the flesh profit in Romans 7, 18 and John 6, 63? It profits what? Nothing. No thing, <laughs> no thing about us is involved with that. And we've taught in Romans 8, 9, we have the flesh in us, but we certainly are not of it anymore, are we? But we can function in it. And when we do, what do we experience? Death, separation, condemnation, and all, we get into all these other things and end up being depressed and overwhelmed with what? The simple details of life. Oh, by the way, that he's in control of. And we can rest in that. He'll give us things when he knows best 
that we, that we will use them to his glory and to, and to the grace that he gives us as a blessing. Otherwise, thank God, he won't. So, again, then in Exodus 14, 14, the battle's the Lord's. Then the 15th is they start singing a song. They, they led him right through the impossibilities, right through the Red Sea. You think you've got problems. Huh. You don't have, you, you have a fierce army, and we do, by the way. They had a physical fierce army. Pharaoh and all his army, and of course, they were, they were it back by then, back then, by the way. They were it. They had a fierce army. It was on their tail, just like you and I have, but it's a spiritual one in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Spiritual one. And then God leads them out into the wilderness. He sets them free. We receive Christ. We're so happy. They begin singing the song in Exodus 15. The horse and rider he's thrown into the sea. He's dealt with all our enemies. Moses and all the children of Israel are singing. And then Miriam gets, by the time you get down to the, to the 20s, 18 to 20s, you see Miriam, she's even singing a song now too because she's been initiated too. She starts singing a song. Yay. By the time they get, they're in the wilderness. By the time they get, right away, what are they doing? After a great victory, what are they doing? The enemy comes in, doubt, fear, all this stuff, all these projections, and what do they do? They start murmuring and complaining. Murmuring and complaining, and down comes, in response to that, the manna. What's that a type of? The manna coming down? Well, that's in John chapter 6. Start at verse 30 and go and 33 and go all the way to the 57th verse. And you're going to see in type, Christ is that manna that came down. And when you feed on that, you don't feed on anything else. You don't feed on anything else. You're secure. You're safe. You're safe. We're kept in 1 Peter 1, 5 by the power of God. And the power of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24 is Christ. The power of God and the wisdom of God. What do we need? Power and wisdom. Do we need all the scriptures in 2 Timothy 3.16, seeing as how they're God-breathed? We most certainly do. So Christians, we need to know where we are in terms of prophecy and then to these types that help us. We are in the end times. There's no, listen, there's no prophecy left to be fulfilled other than Christ coming back. Should we know where we are? I mean, if Paul could teach brand new, born-again believers. Oh, you can't teach them that. Well, he teach them all about the rapture and all, all about what happens in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Brand new. And they were worrying because they were ignorant. So what should, they, what should he do? What should Paul do under the influence of those? They're ignorant. They don't know. What should they do? Teach them. Tell them the truth. Jeez, I don't know if they can handle it. Well, you know what? God knows. Better than any of us. He doesn't need any, <laughs> any of us that might be private theologians and private interpreters and, that, <laughs> and private scholars. There aren't any. That's why it's God the Holy Spirit. So they come through. They're murmuring that the manna comes down. That's Exodus. Okay? Now he's leading them, and it, now they're in Numbers. Now they're in the book of Numbers. Again, wilderness. We're on our way to our promised land. That's where we are. We're on our way. And who's leading us? 
Who gives us a cloud by day? That means faith. Cloud. You can't see it, but can you trust him? And that faith keeps your enemy out and keeps you in. The cloud. Beautiful. And then what do you need at night? Light. Fire. The fire of the word. He didn't take it away. Even all through their murmuring. All through their complaining. Boy, we really have a tough in this country, don't we? <laughs> Gracious me. Again, take some time, get a cup of tea or coffee or water or whatever you drink. Sit down by a nice fire if you have one. Open up the book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And tell me how tough you got it. <laughs> Jeez. It's going to get tough. And that's what God's preparing us for. There's no question about it. Okay, he's preparing us for that. But now they're in the book of Numbers. And here we are in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. All did eat, in 10, 10 verse 3, spiritual meat, that manna that came down from heaven. It's meal, really. And did drink the same spiritual drink. What's that? The same spiritual drink. Hmm. Wow. Do you remember when they were murmuring again? First they murmured for food, and that has a detail, right? Where do a lot of our murmurings come from? The details. <laughs> the details. What happens in Exodus, the 17th chapter, after they just got done murmuring, oh, we don't have enough to eat. Oh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> Murmur. Or trust him. <laughs> okay. I don't know, the one that let them out, saved them, paid for all their sins, set up their whole eternal destiny, and they're on their way through. You know what happens, why we struggle, is because we settle down when we shouldn't. Where to go forward. That was Exodus 14, verse 15. The answer is go forward. Go forward, you know? I, we said it this way. Listen, folks, we're all here to get specific counsel. We're going forward. And if you're going forward... Okay, and you're driving your car, okay, and you're constantly looking in your mirror to look back. You think you might run into something? You think you might miss something? Strong possibility. And again, not that we can't get counsel, not that we can't get edification, but if we're constantly looking in the mirror when we're supposed to go forward, what are we going to do? It's going to be an accident. We might even kill someone. Might even be ourselves. <laughs> but in Exodus, the 17th chapter, now they're crying again. They're crying again. And they look to Moses. Who's Moses? He's a type of who? Christ. And give us, in 17, verse 2, give us what? Water. We need water. We, we need water, guys. Right? In Exodus 17, verse 2, that's what we need. Right? That we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why are you complaining and murmuring and coming against me? Why do you constantly tempt the Lord? How do we tempt God? Unbelief. Unbelief. And unbelief and worry is betraying trust in him who should have all of our trust. Right? constantly, constantly, give us water. Why are you tempting the Lord? And the people thirsted for water, and the people murmured against who? Moses. Who's Moses? Type of 
God. What do we do? We murmur against who? Why? Because, because Christ is our object? Or is it ourselves? What we're going through. What we need. Because after all, we know what we need when we need it apart from him, right? That's wisdom. I don't think so. Nope. Wherefore is this that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us in our church? I mean, why did you bring us here? God, we would have been better off where we were before. Anybody ever thought that? <laughs> Recently? Are you looking in the mirror? <laughs> looking in the mirror? Oh, oh. Go forward. You don't turn to the left. You know, he's waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30, 18. And in 30, 21, you don't turn to the right or to the left. But there's a word behind you telling you go forward. This is the way walking it. Stop going back and depending on everybody else when Christ is your head. Okay? He's your head. All right? That's it. Christ is. Why did you bring us here? Even our children and our little cattle, our little dogs and cats aren't going to be able to make it. Uh -oh. Moses cried unto the Lord saying, what am I going to do? <laughs> See, again, is he operating in himself or the type that he is in Christ? See, he's starting to operate in himself, even as a leader. Why? Because he's giving way to the people. Yeah. That's right. The reason he said to Jeremiah when he called him from the womb in 1.5 of Jeremiah, he said in verse 8, stop, stop being afraid of their faces, okay? Right. Don't let their nonverbal communication expressed through their faces be the thing that keeps you from teaching the word the way you should do so. By the grace of God, and, and, and do it in Christ. Well, you know, they're almost ready to stone me, he said. 1.5, then the Lord said unto Moses, go on therefore before the people. What do are, what are leaders do? They're to do what? Go before the people. No wonder it says in Acts 6.4, we're going to have you folks serve tables. We're going to be like the Levites. The Levites and types, and we're going to see that when we get to numbers, the Levite and types where they were to be, they were in full-time service to God. And all the, other leave, all the other people tithed to them so that they could function in the place where God had placed them. That's Acts 6, verse 4, by the way. I know it's not popular. And I could care less, too, by the way. And I'm talking about myself. Please know that. Let me just make that clear. Aren't you afraid of them that think get tired of that? Nope. Go on before the people and take with you elders of Israel. What's that mean? Is he supposed to do it himself? Oh, the pastor's supposed to do everything, isn't he? He's supposed to provide everything for everybody, right? <laughs> nope. No. Mm -mm. No. Go and take elders of Israel and your rod, the authority of Christ on him, Wherewith you smote the river, that impossible thing, you know, in your hand and go. Behold, I will stand before you there upon the rock in Oreb, and you will smite the rock, 
and there will come out water of it, and that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of Israel. What's that the type of? What is it a type of? Christ on the cross. He was struck once. And guess what came out of him? You can even see it in the type in John the 19th chapter and the 34th verse. When the soldier with the spear speared him in the side into his heart, and right out of his heart, what came out? Water and blood cleansing as a result of salvation. See all the types? There's nothing arbitrary or even ambiguous in the scriptures, by the way. Not one single thing. Not a single thing. I'll stand before you, and you'll strike it. And Moses did so, and he called the name of the place Masa Meribah. The waters of complaining, the waters of bitterness. People bitter and complaining. They don't like their place. They don't like where God's left them. Left them. Feels like they. And then, boom! What comes out? What comes out? Well, and he called that name Meribah because of the chiding of the children, murmuring and complaining of the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord, saying, "Is the Lord among us or not?" I don't know. Seems like he ditched us. I don't know. Is that what Joshua 1.5 says? Is that what Hebrews 13 verse 5 says? Is that 13 verse 8 of uh, Hebrews? Jesus Christ the same yesterday. Did he take care of you yesterday? Did he? Come on. Is he, is he taking care of your today? Not based upon your thoughts or your emotions, but him. Is he? And is your future already dealt with? So let's worry. <laughs> Sometimes I'm glad it's not being facial recorded because I would be so embarrassed. But, and as soon as they were blessed, look what it says. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And you know who Amalek is? He's a type of the flesh. God blesses. Gives us all this stuff, answers are chiding and complaining and murmuring. <laughs> Everything's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's it listen, it's okay to be sober, by the way. It's okay to be quiet and receive, too, by the way. It's the most beautiful thing. Because that's exactly that's that's what I have to do, all of us really. But that's what I have to do. I don't have to insert myself. Hopefully, I'm doing it less and less. I'm talking from me, by the way. Hopefully, it's less and less. They tempted the Lord. Then came Amalek. Because where do all the temptations come when we fight against God? We complain. Amalek. Right? Okay. Back to 1 Corinthians 10. It's going to take a while. We were, we were in Job, too, by the way. I'm going to continue with that. And, uh, and it all has to do with his grace, his truth, and his glory. All of it does. So, but you see what, what he did. He, he hit the rock once, didn't he? And that's all, that's all he needed to do, was to strike that rock one time. But by the time he's in the, in, in the wilderness, right, he gets into the wilderness... And it's very interesting what happens at that time. All the murmuring, you know what it caused him to do? 
when, when he operated it in the flesh, when he submitted to all their murmurings and all their rebellion, you know what it caused them to do? And you see it again in the scriptures. You see it again and again and again. <laughs> I got to tell you, what did he do? You'll see that in Numbers too, and we don't have the time to get into all these in the places, but he struck the rock twice out of his anger. <laughs> out of his complete anger, he struck it twice. Did water still come out? Did. Know what that's a picture of? That even leaders, even we as pastor teachers, even we, when we give in to people through our own flesh and we react against them, when we do, we, struck, we strike the rock twice. We re-crucify him like he needs that. That's what we do. And that's what Paul was saying in 2 Timothy 2.13. The water still came out. Still came out. And Paul, through the Holy Spirit, said, even if we abide not faithful, he's concluding himself, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Uh, listen, our murmuring, our worrying, our complaining... And sometimes we think that's fellowship, you know, come, come with me, you know. Uh, before we pray about what I want you to, to pray about, I want to share all my murmurings and complainings with you because I trust you. That's not fellowship. That's not fellowship, okay? It isn't. Fellowship's around Christ. You're completed him. <laughs> no worries there, right? None whatsoever. But he hit it twice. 2 Timothy 2.13, even if we abide not faithful, he abides faithful. He Listen, he will not deny himself. He won't. That means this. It doesn't stop his love for us, but in us it stops that love that he loves us with in our experience. And I can tell you what I'm like when I'm not actually experientially loved by him and kept by him. And I'm sure you all do too. All did drink the same in 1 Corinthians 10 4, the spiritual drink, for they drank that spiritual, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. You see the types? Right? But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. You ever get, feel like you get overthrown? Mm-hmm. That's usually what we get overthrown is we're in the flesh. That's where worship stops. That's where thankfulness stops. And that's where we become the object now. And can we truly be our own object? No, we'll be very subjective. And then everything's about me. And then when everything's met, when I think it's met, and then I have Christians gather around me, then I think it's fellowship and everything is good because it's all about me. God, wow. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these were our examples. That's 10.6, our types. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Is this speaking to Christians, those that are in Christ? Oh, it absolutely is. Neither be you what? Idolaters. You wouldn't think of doing that, and I wouldn't, would we? Come on. 
Again, I, I, I remember teaching it this way, God giving it to me, and it's pretty intense way back, probably three, three and a half decades. No, no Christian, truly, would ever think of, in their living room, sacrificing an animal and having an, an, an idol and worshiping around it. You wouldn't even think of doing that, would you? Huh? Neither be you idolaters. God, what are we making an idol of? I'm going to tell you what we can. Worry. Murmuring. Complaining. Complaining. Or all those other things. In 1 John 2.15, stop loving the world. And guess what? Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world or put those things first, the love of the Father is not actually in their experience. Now, he loves us in our position, but do we experience it? We don't experience the love in our experience because God can't fellowship with sin, even though he loves us. But he is, in Isaiah 30, verse 18, waiting to be gracious. And that's why we've got to stop looking back. God, every day looking back. God, how are you going to go forward? Time to grow up. Or stop looking to the left and to the right. This group of people, that group of people, this thrill, that thrill, that thrill. I mean, you know, <laughs> everything else first and then the word. And then teaching. <laughs> no, don't do it, I can tell you. Neither be you idolaters, as some of them were, as it written, the people sat down. They stopped going forward. They sat down, and everything about their life is what they could eat or drink. That's it. And rose up to play. Oh, that's what fellowship is. Let's play. Let's eat and drink. That's not fellowship. Christ is fellowship. Nothing to do with the flesh. Boy, it's very convicting to me. Just want to let you know that right out. Neither let us commit fornication. What's fornication? Allowing to ourselves to be seduced, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, away from Christ in our experience. Seduced by demons. No, that wouldn't happen. Oh, yes, it would. Because that's what's behind every single idol is a demon. Did you know that? Read 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. We're true in him. And read 21. My little children, keep yourselves from what? Idols. I don't know. That could be a person. That can be someone in your rearview mirror. It can be. Can be. Again, it's time to grow up. Let us not commit fornication if some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000. Now, God wouldn't do that. No, he wouldn't do that. He's a God of love, right? I don't know. Were probably a lot of them saved. Yeah, I believe they were. I believe. I believe it with all my heart. A lot of them were. And God wouldn't take home a Christian early now, would he? Well, I don't know. Have you ever read Psalm 118, 18, uh, 17 and 18? David said, the Lord has chastened me sore, but he hasn't given me over to death. Whoa. 
Not that he would, not that, again, he's waiting to be gracious. I can tell you, listen, listen, I'm going to use myself as an example, okay? If I'm still alive at 68, let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you how gracious God is. I want to make that clear, honestly. I want to make it clear. He is unbelievably gracious and unbelievably patient, okay? You're looking at it. You're looking at God's grace and patience and not another thing. Not one other single thing. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. What's a serpent a type of? Can, can, can Satan, he can't touch my position, but can he disturb my experience and destroy that? Because in John 10, verse 10a, the thief comes to steal. How does he do that? Worry, complaining. <laughs> poor me. You know, oh, poor me. Oh. Steal, kill, and destroy. He can't touch opposition. Can he touch the experience? It's time, to, it's time for all of us to grow up, to realize where we are in prophecy, what we have in Christ. And if we're not, and, 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 and thank God, even when we don't go forward, we have plenty to look back on and get us right back to go forward again. That's what God's doing this morning with me and what he did with me. And by the way, everything I am telling you in my little Bible here, is everything that he had me turn to and say, okay, I want you to listen to me. You, listen to me. Okay? Here's my counsel for you. So I'm just giving you his counsel to me. And if it's yours, hopefully you receive it instantly, and I do too, in instant obedience. Right? So we instantly start experiencing his love again. The return of it too. What a joy. To be able to return his love to him? I mean, does anything beat that? Does any trip? Does any vacation? Does anything beat that? Touch it. It just doesn't. Okay? We're destroyed of the destroyer. Now, verse 11. Now, all these things happened unto them for types. That's the word in the Greek. Types. Examples, types. And they are written for what? Our what? Admonition. To admonish someone. Yeah, and we love being admonished in the flesh, don't we? And that's going to stop God, right? Because he, he loves us. No. Hopefully we respond. So that in Jeremiah 2.19, our own backsliding doesn't correct us. <laughs> and there's no fellowship there. And even when he chastens us in Proverbs 3.11 and 12... And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, all the way to the 29th verse, there's no fellowship, but there's still loving chastisement to get us back into a place where we can fellowship with the reality of a proper image about who we are in Christ and make that our identity and nothing else. Your worries are not your identity. Why would you do that? Why would I do it? That's what makes these mornings so important. And I like what you two said, and, I'm, and it really edified me. And if you're willing to do it, I'll do it. If you really want to come here at 7 in the morning, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I will do it. But one thing I ask is consistency. Now, I'm asking because, 
And the reason I am is only this, please, is where two or three are gathered together in my name. There he is. So please come so we don't get limited. No, I'm serious. All of us. All of us. And I mean it, too. And I, I, I listen, I don't do it because I'm some hero seven days a week. No. <laughs> I do it because I'm weak. And if he doesn't fill that weakness with his strength, what am I going to operate in? Sin in the flesh. Now, all these things happen unto them for types, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world. See, if you see that, the world, you mean the world's going to end? No, the particular age that we're in. So we've got to get to know the Greek and understand it, too. It's very important, by the way. Every scripture is very important. That's why God chose to record it. That's why. Don't you love his counsel? I know I do. I mean, even when it smarts. Come on. Yeah. Even when there's a little pain involved. Maybe there's a little shame or embarrassment. But even the discipline and the, that the shame that it brings is to get us out of that where there is no shame in Hebrews 2.11. Right. Right. <laughs> there's only shame in the flesh. Right. Is there love and shame? No, 2 Timothy 1.12. Get the right form in the 13th verse. There's no f shame in the form, the proper image that Christ is in us and we in him. Those things were all written for our admonition upon whom the ends of this age are come. Boy, I'll tell you. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands... Take heed lest he what? And usually when you fall, unfortunately, you want some help in that too. And you usually take others down too. Well, don't do it. Proverbs 24, 21. Christians, all of us, meddle not with them that are given to change. Don't get, in, don't get intertwined and mixed with them. Okay? Put the word of God first above everything. And then when you do get together, it will still be that. It won't just be an emotional thrill because you lack something in your vessel experientially, but it's yours and your position. Honestly, that's why. I mean, honestly, even for me, I get good sleep because it's necessary for what I do. It's part of my preparation. I get good sleep so that when I show up, okay, I'm not tired and yawning while I preach. <laughs> Psalm 127, those first three verses will help you all out and help me out. Mm -hmm. If we put the word first, and it's not about eating and drinking and playing, put the word first, we'll be prepared and very disciplined. We'll become disciplined thinkers. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. You know why a lot of the times we have fear? Because we lack discipline. I mean, seriously, we lack putting the word first. Do. 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear. Well, oh, why would you fear? Because you're putting details of life, circumstances, and situations ahead of God, ahead of Christ. There's no fear in love in 1 John 4, 18. But in 2 Timothy 1, 7, right? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but what? Power. No, I don't want power. I'd rather worry and murmur and complain and eat and drink and play. 
and call it Christianity and fellowship, which it's not. Which it's not. I invite all of us at some time, at some point, if we can do it. I'll tell you honestly, let's go on a mission trip. Let's forget ourselves for a second and go on a mission trip. I'm serious. I know some of you had. I know Mike did. Honduras, and I bet you some of you, and I bet you that was, oh, God, what a sweet time that must have been. Just precious. You know, the sweetness comes when we lose ourselves in his presence. You've got to set the Lord before your face. If he's not, what are you going to face? Psalm 16, verse 8. I've set the Lord before my face. Because he's at my right hand, I'll never be moved. I'll never be moved. Because in his presence in 1611 is the fullness of joy. Who's that? That's Christ. And I'm in him, and he's in me. I'm going to wrap it up because, again, we're doing a little scratchy. I still got 12 minutes. Oh, I love that. No, and I mean for me to receive, too, by the way. So by the time we get into the types, now we're going to get into the 18th chapter of the book of Numbers. And at some point, if you'd like to, you can read, you can read that, that book of Numbers. And uh, you can read those first, you know, and then you might even get blessed if you do it. I don't know. It's, chances are <laughs> you would. if you can read those first 17 chapters because it is the word of God and he's given it to us. You know, so instead of looking back, how about just presently looking at the word? Because maybe God wants to speak to you personally and me personally and give me the counsel that I think I need by going back when he has it to me right here because the place where we're in is the place of his counsel. Isn't that interesting? He wouldn't do that. Yeah, I know. The job is six miles from your house and all your tools are there, but stay home. (laughs) Sorry. See, again, I'm glad the faces are not, mm, Lord help me. All right. So by the time you get into the 18th chapter, here's what we're going to see. 18 verse 20, and we're going to skim these because there's so much. uh, We can't do it. So in Numbers, the 18th chapter, in verse 20, it says, The Lord spoke unto Aaron. Again, Aaron is a type, isn't he? He's a type. He would go into the... He could go into the Holy of Holies. Again, type and what he did in operation. Himself not the type, but the work that God was doing through him. He could go into the Holy of Holies. So Aaron, you will have no inheritance in their land. Neither will you have any part among them. I am your part and your inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Israel the children of Levi, those priests that were doing the work in the temple, all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance. In other words, under a legal covenant, they were to give 10% every week of their income. It's not, I know, it's not popular. Here he goes again. Yeah, that's right. I didn't plan it, but you know what? I know who did. Neither must the children of Israel henceforth come near to the tabernacle of the congregation, lest they bear sin and die. In other words, that wasn't their place. They weren't to exchange places. And we are to know each other in Christ, but we're to know each other in God's order. Okay? Young, young babes don't treat young men and women as babes. 
And young men and women don't treat spiritual dads as themselves, like they're one of them. Okay? Because God won't have that. That's not his order. I want to make that crystal clear. We all fellowship equally, but we do not occupy a proper place outside of where God's placed us. Now, are these things necessary? And I say emphatically, yes. It's God's order. Now, but the tithes of the children of Israel, this is Numbers 18, 24, of Israel, which they offer as a heave offering unto the Lord. And that had to do with worship, by the way. <laughs> worship. I have given to the Levites to inherit. You give it to the Lord, and the Lord gives it to them. Oh, oh. well, let's leave that one out. Therefore I said unto them, among the children of Israel, they will have no inheritance. Okay. Their inheritance comes from the Lord. Well, where's the Lord's inheritance come from? <sighs> you know, maybe we have financial problems. I don't know. That might be a reason. I'm not sure. Man, I mean, again, read Lewis Berry Chafer. I believe it's the fourth chapter. Look in the 30s of the pages. This I'm talking is that sometimes now they come in two volumes. Look at what the world and worldly Christians spend their money on. Eat, drink, and play. Not for missions. Not for support of pastors and teachers. Seriously. No. Eat, drink, and play. First. First. Very interesting. Oh, God. Keep your scraps, please. I'm, uh, I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, God. Speak unto them, right? And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, When you take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you, and from them, for your inheritance... You will offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord. What are you doing first, even before you give? Dear Lord, does that have to do with worship? I mean, come on, what's the matter with teaching all the counsel of God in Acts 20, 27? It's not so popular. I don't care. I could kill us. You know, they say either... Nothing. I'm not going to say that one. <laughs> God put a check on me, and I'm glad. From your inheritance, then you will offer up a heave offering of it unto the Lord, a tenth part of the tithe. If they were told to give a tenth of their income in, under the law, I don't know, what's grace? Set free. Jam in a crocket. And this, your heave offering, will be reckoned unto you as though it were the corn of the threshing floor. Your work, what you've got to do, right? And as the fullness of the winepress. That means work, right? That they got and they had to offer up. Thus will you offer a heave offering unto the Lord of all your tithes, which you will give the children of Israel, and you will give thereof of the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the priest. Out of all your gifts, you offer every heave offering. <laughs> oh, and I want to say this too, by the way. It's talking about there's a tithe and then there's gifts. <laughs> but forget that. 
some make their gifts a tithe, you know, and, and that's okay. That's between anyone and the Lord, right? Anyone else, right? But out of all your gifts, you will offer the heave offering of the Lord of all the best thereof. No. You wouldn't do that. Would you? The best to him first? I don't know. He, did he ever give us his best? Huh? Hmm. Is there any return? Jeez. Oh. Oh, yeah, I don't care. Too bad. Tough. Eh, too bad. Right? All the best thereof, even the hallowed part, the holy part. Therefore will you say unto them, when you have heaved the best thereof from it, then it will be counted unto the Levites as the increase of the threshing floor and as the increase of the winepress, and you will, eat, you will eat it in every place, you and your households. He's talking to the Levites, by the way. But you, you don't leave tables. You give yourself to prayer in Acts 6-4 and the ministry of the word. And for it is your reward for your service in the tabernacle of the congregation. And you will bear no sin by reason of it. When you have heaved from it the best of it, thereof, you will, neither will you pollute the holy things of the Lord. What's that saying? Why do we struggle in areas? Why do you think? Hey, Listen. You know what? And it was called willingly. Can you imagine? Do you, do, would you want to receive something from someone if their will wasn't involved in it, but they said, here, take it anyway. Would you want it? You look at me. Look at me. No. No. You keep it. It's polluted. And it would be with me if that was my attitude. You keep it. <laughs> then the 19th chapter, and we get three minutes. What is today? Monday. Okay, so Wednesday and Friday. This is beautiful. We'll get into the beauty of this and even the reasons why we give. The reasons why we worship him in every area. Why we put him first. Put him first. Put him first. That's what he's telling me. And the Lord spoke, this is 19, verse 1, the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, both of them are fulfilling the types of Christ. This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring a red heifer. Oh, I don't know, what, what kind of red? Just any? I don't know, I think we said it was the best. A red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came a yoke. In every other place that we see this, and I'm going to have to stop because I don't want to go too long. Why, why there is it, and a red heifer, you know, is a female, right? Why in every other place that we see it, in Exodus 12, verse 5, and in, number, uh, in, in Leviticus 1, verse 3, the offering, which would speak of Christ, would be a male without spot. Why in this place is it a red heifer in that type? Because it's a female in type. Type of what? Submissive. Willing, passive. And even that speaks of Christ, by the way. Some would tell you it's not. But they haven't got the whole preponderance of the scriptures in the original languages. They haven't even begun to do it yet. And, and like any of us, they can function in ignorance when you don't know the truth, 
when you don't know it or have never been taught. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, that's what it is, his willingness, constantly given over to God to serve him and us, constantly. And he had no spot, he had no blemish. No wonder it says in Song of Solomon 4, verse 7, and as much as this, I think he's still living, this so-called Hebrew scholar wants to make it this whole relations, physical relationship between, you know, a king and his bride, and even bring it into things that I don't even want to discuss right here and say that's all it is because he Judaizes the church, brings us right back into the law again, when those are types. No wonder it says in Song of Solomon 4.7, you're all fair, my love, you're beautiful. There's no spot in you. That's right, because he became so willing. And what did he go through? <laughs> Mike, what does he go through in even my life? Just so he can be my willing servant. And everything about him is so gracious. That's why it's passive in this sense. It's passive in the type. It's in the type. It is. And that's ours in Christ. That's ours. That's what we have in Christ. My God, what would inhibit us to give him our all? I'm not just talking finances. I'm talking about every thought and every proper emotion, and all our time. When we think of even our schedules and our times, is he first? Is he? Is he? When I even think about the discipline of getting proper sleep so I can be a proper, proper believer as an adult to be able to receive the word of God the way that he desires so graciously to give it, even that is in the scriptures. And even that is a part of worship, by the way. Because everything about us in Christ is what? Worshipper. Who's a worshiper? Thankful for everything they have. Thankful. Thankful. Not murmuring, not complaining, not doubting, not fearing like any of us, but very, very thankful. Again, very thankful. And I am very thankful. And I want to say, I'm very thankful for everybody here. And very thankful for Christ in you. And very thankful for what he's doing in you. Because if he's doing it in you, it is for me. <laughs> it is. In every area that we act in disobedience to the revealed word, word of God, which was revealed today, every act of disobedience, you're, you hold back fellowship First from Christ with disobedience and then from one another and you can come up and say I love you and thank you and all this and, and the will's not involved. So you're pretending in your experience. Romans 12, 9. Let love, let love be without dissimulation. <laughs> Hypocrisy. That's where we get our English word hypocrite. Stop being a hypocrite. Do, are you being loved in your experience? Are you? Yes. Are you returning that love with your obedience? No? Stop being a pretender. Stop pretending you have fellowship. Listen, if one sin in our life inhibits fellowship, does. One sin in my life. God, I'm, oh Lord, please. Please. And I know in my case, honestly, oh, three minutes past nine, sorry. Even in my case, I want to tell you this, honestly. He deals with, he deals in 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, he doesn't want sacrifice. In other words, he doesn't want you to give 
while you're still living in rebellion and stubbornness. That's what I said. Yeah, here, here's the gift. Keep it. Keep it. And that's what he said. Keep it, Ed. You keep it. Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm sorry. Whew. My will wasn't. Oh, God, I, I confess it. Ooh, I don't want that. Keep it. For rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is idolatry. You care. Right? Willingly. Christ gave himself up willingly. And my obedience, my love, is his love returned to him. That's what it is. And that requires obedience. But he's given us everything to be obedient. Everything. But we don't experience it until our will is submitted. I don't know why some things are so hard for believers. I struggle with it. I know you do. I know you struggle with it. Yes, that's right. You're not your struggles, but you do struggle with it. Why? It just seems so hard. No, it's not. The will not given over, the hard heart is the hard thing. The easiest thing to do is give God our time, to give God our all, to give him our finances. Come on. Why, why finances? I don't know. Why did Jesus talk about money like 2,000 times in the Synoptic Gospels more than any other thing? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I know he loves us. That I do know. And he loves you and I. Even Listen, and his love doesn't stop when we do live in disobedience and sin. But it sure doesn't enter our experience because the love that he loves us with in our position in Christ, okay, he cannot fellowship with sin in the experience. And is the sin paid for? Yes, that's even part of the confession in 1 John 1, 9. And we can forgive others because in Ephesians 4, verse 32, we're forgiven. And the reason we don't forgive is because we lack love, we lack obedience, and we lack the forgiveness ourselves that we need to give to somebody else. Just the way it is. It's just the way it is. You got any? Do I have anything against somebody? Do you? Do we have anything against? Do 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 you have? Do I have something against you? Well, then I'm not fellowshipping with Christ. His love stopped in my experience. Okay. Do you have something against me? As the word comes out. See, everything that Israel was, was experiencing in the wilderness, when they didn't want to be responsible and accountable, who they blame? Moses, the type. Yeah, we blame God. Because ultimately, if we truly believe that all things are for our sake, in 2 Corinthians 4.15, all things are of God, 2 Corinthians 5.18, and all things do work together for God's divine good, to them that love God, his Love returned by our obedience. And his obedience in 1 John 5, 2 and 3 is not difficult. It's difficult not to obey. The difficulty is not obeying. The struggle in known obedience, okay, is that's the difficulty, knowing it and not doing it in James 4, 17. So when should we obey when we hear the word? Hello. When should I obey, God? He gets me up there and deals with me. Mm, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So, Father, thank you for your precious word, your grace, your mercy, your unconditional love, and the types that we're going to get into. And I pray, Father, for the truth of those things as we get into 
uh, Numbers, the 19th chapter, all the way to the 23rd, and and the way you have been bringing us in, into uh, these mornings, Sunday, and some different mornings in the book of Job. And you've given us so much as we look back and glean from these types. Father, we thank you and praise you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, your unconditional love, your love for us. And I pray for me, God. I do. That, that your love for me may be returned to you through my obedience and I can experience the, the intimate fellowship that you so desire by giving us your son to accomplish it. In Jesus' name, amen.